0: Today is a super vulnerable podcast with one of my good friends, Rob Dial, who's an author and a coach, but we really dive into the things that despite all of the work and all of the coaching and all the amazing mentors that we have, that we still struggle with every day, day to day, and our own challenges and our own evolution of our journey to becoming more whole, to becoming more healed, to becoming the best version of who we are so i'm excited to share this podcast with author coach and friend rob Dahl. but before we get started a word from our sponsors first up we have four visions and i just want to send a little bit of gratitude to them for continuing to be a sponsor of the podcast and it makes sense because i'm continually a sponsor of their business because wherever i go I have some Four Visions hopé, and oftentimes some of the Four Visions Caripe and the tools for using this sacred tobacco snuff that is created in full cooperation with the indigenous wisdom keepers of Central and South America. Now, for those of you who haven't seen me pull out my Caripe, which is a little two-pronged tube, one goes in the mouth, one goes in the nose, and you blow this Tobacco snuff right up your nose, and it enters into what feels like your brain all the way through your spirit, clears your mind, your eyes water. It's a little bit of a stingy experience, but it's a very powerful grounding tool, and it's been an ally for me, not only in my own plant medicine journeys, but also in everyday life. This is a daily practice for me. And say what you will about this being a daily practice for me, but it is, and it's been a huge ally for me in my life. And it's really helped develop my relationship with the spirit of tobacco. So, and as many of you noticed, you know, this plant medicine consciousness and the wisdom of the First Nations people and indigenous elders is really proliferating into mainstream culture. And it couldn't be coming as a better time. And Four Visions is just a company that holds the highest integrity and they're standing for working in right relation with these indigenous cultures and with the indigenous elders and with the indigenous elders. And their platform includes like educational transmissions as well as all of these incredible tools that are all handcrafted and made in the right way and transacted in the right way. So every product in the Four Visions Apothecary, it it has a story, a tradition, you know, you'll get to understand its use. It's a cool place to explore. So if you're looking to expand your own practices, if you're looking to just learn, or if you're looking to just see what this whole thing is all about, check out fourvisionsmarket.com. Use the code AMP for 15% off your first customer order. And once again, it's fourvisionsmarket.com. Use code AMP for 15% off your first order. Next up, we have Helix. And the reason why I'm continuing to have Helix as an advertiser on the podcast is because I'm continuing to sleep on Helix mattresses. Oftentimes, wherever I go, if I'm going to stay in there for long enough, I'll send a Helix mattress over there because I really approve and appreciate the sleep that I get on a Helix mattress. The many choices that they offer And also the way that when you pull that mattress out of all the packaging, it doesn't smell like those toxic mattresses that you could get from those traditional stores, which are soon becoming dinosaurs, because there's just a better model. And Helix has that better model. It has a better mattress. So I get homies who talk to me. Maybe they've heard a read on the podcast, or maybe they're just curious because I wrote a book that includes conversations about sleep and not that I'm an expert on all things sleep personally, but I do understand the field in a great way. And I do understand what a great mattress is and what I like and what my family likes. And so I unequivocally recommend Helix as the mattress, just straight up. It's what I believe the best in class. I think the pricing is super competitive and really reasonable the way that they create the mattress, the whole thing top to bottom from a company and from a product standpoint are just top of class. So if you're interested in purchasing that next mattress or you have a guest bedroom where you got that mattress and you're like, man, I'm not gonna tell my guests that their mattress there is kind of shit, but uh, uh, whatever, you know, they love me and, and it's all good. Maybe think about upgrading to a Helix mattress even for your guest room or wherever else you might be sleeping. So if you're interested, go to helixsleep.com slash AMP, and you are getting 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows using the URL helixsleep.com slash AMP. And this is the best offer we've ever had. With Helix, you're going to have better sleep. I really believe that. And that can start now with this really incredible offer from Helix. So once again, helixsleep.com slash amp for 20% off your mattress orders and two free pillows. Rob, it's good to see you, bro. Yeah, you too, brother. So how many people have gone through your different programs to learn how to be coaches, to help guide other people through their process? Um, We're approaching 1,500. 1,500 people. Yeah. That's a lot of people. And you just wrote a book here called Level Up. And this book talks about one of the things that Mm -hmm. coaches can help people get over, Mm -hmm. which is if you follow the hero's journey, right, which I think is a good model Mm because there's a particular step that this is addressing, right? So it starts the ordinary world. Mm -hmm. This is the Mm pre-tragic. Everything is what you think it is. Everything's really simple, clear. You know, you're just going to get a job. You're going to do your thing. Then there's a moment where that shifts. Mm -hmm and the call to adventure like oh there's something more mm-hmm. there's an artistic endeavor there's some way in which you know i could offer more to the world or yeah. switch something up so you probably get a lot of people who you know are like okay i'm getting the calling i mm-hmm. want to be of service mm-hmm. You know, would you say that's kind of where you find a lot of the people who are coming to you, or do you think 100%. they're already past that when they get to you? A little bit of both. Probably. No, I would say so.
1: We work with like some people who are existing coaches. Probably twenty percent are existing coaches. Eighty percent are like I have a calling, and I wanna I wanna go into it, which is harder to harder to, to deal with in a coach. And the reason why is because I always say there's a few things that that in my opinion, from what I've seen of working with people, that are basically brought to you in life and are some of the biggest spiritual things you can go through. Uh, one of them, I think is a fitness journey. When you start getting on a fitness journey and start mm -hmm. working on your body, there's a whole spiritual connection of like, am I doing this because I hate my body or am I doing this because I love my body and I want to improve it? For me, for a long time, it was like, I hate it. I I hate my body. Fuck you, fat body. Fuck you. That's all right. For me, it was like, (laughs) fuck you. You're so skinny, dude. Like you can't put any weight (laughs) on, you know? And, um, and then, so it's like, you, you have this journey of like, am I doing this from hate or am I doing this from love? It
0: can also be the same for just health, even if it's not even like physical performance, right? You could be like, I hate being sick all the time a hundred percent and that's not as powerful a driver as i i would love being healthy right like i would love to go be able to play pickleball or basketball or shred it out on the wake surf you know board or whatever it might be like moving from love is always a lot more powerful than moving from hate
1: yeah and you know if you uh, for people that that think about it's like how much have you put your body through like all of the alcohol i've drank all of the stuff i've done in the past the sleepless nights, the partying when I was younger and all of that. So it's like, like that journey is, is one of the journeys. Another journey that, that people can go on is like the journey of, of having children where it's like, all of your stuff's going to come up, being in a relationship, all of your stuff is going to come up. Right. And building a business is just another one of those things where all of your stuff comes up, you know? And it's like when we're in a relationship with somebody and you're in a real deep, intimate relationship with someone. Like I remember Lauren and I were having a conversation, we had a friend that was not going through, so she wasn't going through, wasn't really working the way that she wanted to in her relationship. And she's like, man, she really, she really loves him though. And I was like, yeah, I wonder, I don't think she's in love with him. And, um, and so she said, uh, she said, well, what, do, what do you think being in love means? And first off, the first question she asked was, or are you in love with me? And I was like, shit, it's like the perfect female question, right? Uh, yeah, I was yeah. like, I set myself up for this one. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, what do you think being in love means? And I was like, man, I've never actually thought about that in a deep level. Like, Because we think like Hollywood, like Matthew McConaughey, rom-com is what we think love is. And I said, I think being in love with someone is recognizing this person that's in front of you and saying, I've got a lot of shit from my childhood and trauma. And I feel safe enough with you to work through all of my things with you. And I want to create a space that's safe for you to feel like you can work through all of your things with me. And that's, that's what I see as, as a relationship. That's really what I feel like being in the state of love. When you're going through these things, I will be in a state of love to hold you and hold space yeah. for what you're going through. And then the other one is building a business. Like, you know, I'm sure with you building on it, all of your fears and limiting beliefs and everything came up. And so with, with helping people build businesses, it's literally just working through all of their, their mindset things of why they're not taking out. Because everybody consciously wants to build a successful business. But your conscious is 5%, 95% of it is your subconscious. So all of your fears, your limiting beliefs, you're not good enough. You know, for me, building businesses and want to be successful is me trying to prove my worth to my dad for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And um, and so the, the main thing that really came up for me was like, I'm, am I doing this for me? Am I doing this because I want to serve the world, or am I doing this because I need to make money to create security or to prove myself to my dad who passed away? You know, 22 years ago,
0: right? And um, and, and so it's not a binary. It's not a binary thing. It's like you could be a little bit of both. Of course, you And know It, it could be. It could be many different things, and you can use it.
1: That's the, the way I say it. Is like for a long time I was trying to like push away the ego. You know, once you identify the ego yep. that pops up, it's like this part of me I want to get rid of it. But I know you've you've interviewed the guy who started Internal Family Systems. And that's amazing because even with writing this book, I remember like I went through, it took three years to write it. I wrote an entire book and threw it away. Wrote another book, so I I just, it was completely different. And I was like, this is what I want to talk about. This is what I feel called to talk about. And I'm almost done with the book and I'm editing it, editing. And you know the process, like writing a book is hard. I'm editing and editing and editing. And then the part came up when I was like, do you want to do this? Like, are you doing this because you want to make money and like be have have like the the sticker that says best-selling, New York Times best-selling author? Or are you doing this because you actually fucking care about people? And it was like a moment where I really had to kind of catch myself. And I was like, could it be both? And can Mm -hmm. I use my ego to want to create the best book possible to help people. And so um, it's not about getting rid of those parts of us. I think it's about integrating them and saying like a tool in the tool belt, like, oh, I need, I have a nail, I need a hammer. Okay, I need to do this thing, like create a book. I can bring my ego in to try try to create the best one that I can, but I don't want it to take over me.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the analogies I use is the ego motivation is like a, it's like a coal engine and it can help get the train moving. Yeah. It can help get the train moving, but. Eventually, you know the tracks are going to go uphill, and you're going to you're not going to be able to use that. Or maybe you have so much so much coal that you can just power through, but eventually, coal is a dirty fuel, and it leaves a it leaves a residue. It leaves a residue in your own field, and it's not a clean fuel source. And when you're moving from love and like a true purified, clarified field of desire, what Mm -hmm. in the Hebrew lineage they would call berur, the purification and clarification of your desire then it's like nuclear fusion. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a fuel source of like you merging with the field of love, merging with your purpose. And it's an inexhaustible source of fuel. So it's okay to use coal. And sometimes you might not feel, you know, and you'll need to grind and you'll need to shovel into the fire and your knuckles are burning and you're sweating and you're in a little fucking conductor hat or whatever you got on. You, You may need it. Yeah. So don't, shut down the coal engine, you know, like have a stash that's there, but, but really try to guide yourself towards that, you know, power source. that's inexhaustible.
1: Yeah. It's like one of my first mentors used to always say, you're either working on your, you're either doing something for yourself or you're doing something for your purpose. And so with like what we do in, in coaching coaches, where it's like, you could do anything that you, you want to do is could be either for yourself and your own personal desires, or it could be for purpose. And, um, I remember, one of the biggest shifts that I had in my life was he sat me down. I was probably 21 and he's like, he's like, Hey man, do you want to go to Chipotle and get some, some, uh, some food? And I was like, yeah. And we went and got Chipotle and he's like, he was very short to the point. He's like, I don't know how to tell you this. We're running the number one office in the entire company. He goes, I don't know how to tell you this, but a lot of people don't like you. And I was like, okay. And that he hurts. goes, yeah, he goes, I know your heart but it doesn't come through with other people. You're really brash. You try to cut people first. You have a sharp tongue. He goes, You. it seems like what you're doing, you're trying to succeed because you want to focus on yourself. He goes, when your life will change when you focus on your purpose. And so with a lot of people, any type of business, whether it's coaching or growing any business, if you're doing it just for yourself, eventually that coal is going to run out. And it's just like, it doesn't, yep. it's not fulfilling to make money anymore. And it's like, but right. when you attach a purpose to, to that is where you can really start to, to, it's like the, the difference between motivation and drive. Like motivation is like the spark you're talking about, where it can get you going. But drive is like, I have a purpose. Mm-hmm. I want to do this for other people. I want to do this for the world. And if people can attach their purpose more than anything else and have that drive them, is when I think actually success starts to come. It's like a byproduct of it. Sure. And so, um, yeah, it's just an analogy I think that that's, goes with the one you're talking about where it's like, it's either you're working for yourself and you're trying to do it for yourself, or you're trying to do it from purpose. And When, when it's hard to build a business, if people take a step back and be like, Am I focusing on myself or am I focusing on a purpose that I'm actually trying to help the world? If they can switch to purpose, that's when you really get that nuclear yeah. fusion.
0: Yeah. I have to open up a bracket that has no point okay. <laughs> to this whole conversation. <laughs> I love it. Please but do. But you mentioned Chipotle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've got a grievance with Chipotle. Okay, please do. I don't need a lot of Chipotle. Yeah. I'm stuck in New Jersey. Uh huh. And uh I'm fucking starving. Yeah. And the only thing around is a Chipotle. And yeah. I'm like, Fuck it. I'm going to get a Chipotle burrito. Yeah. So I haven't got a Chipotle burrito in a couple of years, but uh, it's like, all right, whatever. You know, it's like not the worst thing I could do. Yeah. Chicken burrito. So I'm watching homie make this burrito. And just, first of all, way too much rice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like so much rice. Yeah. yeah. Like, why? Why? <laughs> why that much rice? First, I was like, wow, it's a fucking lot of rice. It's yeah. more rice than if I just ordered rice. Yeah. Fine. Then he puts the chicken in one corner. Mm hmm. And he put, and I was like, then he puts the pico in one corner, then he puts the cheese on one spot, and then he puts the guacamole in one spot, and then he puts the sour cream in one spot. And then he rolls the burrito. And (laughs) it was literally impossible for me to get all flavors at the same time. It was either I was eating just sour cream, or just guacamole, or just chicken, or just rice, or just pico. And I was like,
1: what the fuck? That's so hey, how you make a burrito. Chipotle, George that's in New Jersey, make sure you guys fire him because he doesn't <laughs> know what the fuck he's doing. Come on, come on, guys. You, <laughs> like, you line them all up
0: together and you roll them. So yeah, you, get you the mix whole, them if you can. You get it's the whole better. burrito experience. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get I got fired. I was disappointed. Yeah. I was disappointed. Anyways, what you're saying is absolutely correct. And... Okay, so here comes the next part, call to adventure. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the call is a little muddy. It's Mm -hmm. a call that's coming from your ego. Sometimes it's a call that's coming from your purpose and Mm -hmm. your love for the world and your desire to serve. Often it's a mix of both. Mm -hmm. Then there's the next step in the classic, you know, Campbellian hero's journey is the refusal of the call. Mm -hmm. The refusal of the call. Mm -hmm. And this comes up because when you really try to do... What, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on them, mm-hmm. but when you really are going for what you really want to do, you know, one of the first courses I came out with is called Go For Your Win. Mm-hmm. When you're really going for your win and you fail, quote, fail. Mm-hmm. I think also there's a misnomer about failure, yeah. right? Because it's also just how you learn. Mm-hmm. But if you fail at doing what you really are called to do, mm-hmm. it's devastating. So no, I think yeah, that's one of the reasons why people refuse the call. It's because yeah. it's not, it's not safe. Yeah. It's like going, it's going for the partner that you really love the most and laying it out there. Mm-hmm. If they reject you, you're devastated. But if you it's just kind you're of not play to it, it, it's easier not to do it. So yeah. there's lots of places where there's this refusal of the call. Am I really going to put myself out there? Yeah. Am I going to put my art out there? Am I going to you know, release my songs that I've been working on Mm -hmm. for years. I'm going to release my poetry, expose it to nature, Mm -hmm. to see how nature responds to it. And that's a scary point for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a Native American um, phrase that says the brightest light gets the arrows. And so if you're going to put yourself out there, you're going to face some form of rejection or failure. Like we did a, we did with the launching of the book last night, we did a a live and, you know, had people on and we were talking about the book. And I said, Hey, in the chat, everybody put your, your number one fear, Uh, not like spiders, not heights. What's your number one fear? I would say 90% of them was failure. And it really comes down to, I think the way that we view failure. And if we actually think that it's a part of success or if it's the opposite of success, I think in my personal opinion, I think that God, the universe wants to challenge us to really see if it's something that we're going to go for, you know? And it's like, you can't build something amazing without falling a million times along the way right and i think that that really what it comes down to is and this is why a lot of people i think don't take actions they don't actually know what their true purpose is of why they want to do it like they do know the self and they want to make money and they want to be successful and they want to have a million followers on instagram or whatever it is but they don't like actually know what it is that they want to do and create so there's a lot of times like when we teach people it requires people to put stuff on instagram that's a bright light that's going to get arrows. And there's very few arrows, which is the interesting part about it. But we're always looking at those arrows way more than we're looking at the people who are praising us for what we're doing. And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, I would, I would pay attention to those arrows all the time. Like I would, I would see on my podcast and I would scroll through and it's like five star reviews. And then like 200 down, I see one, one star. And I read that and two hours later, I'm only thinking about what that person said. True. I'm not thinking about any of the good stuff, any people who said, oh, this saved my life and any of that. And all I'm thinking about is just that one thing. I think that it's just built into the human system where our brain wants to focus on the negative so that therefore we can avoid the negative in the future because our ancestors, I used to mean death in some sort of way where if there was something negative unknown for us and to not be accepted in the tribe meant Certain death a hundred thousand years ago, and so I think that for most people, when you're getting hit, you have to go back into yourself and be like, "Why is it that I actually want to continue to keep doing this?"
0: And also, most of us have such a harsh inner critic. Oh yeah, that the arrows resonate with the mm. same things we tell to ourselves all the mm-hmm. time. See, you're yeah. a piece of shit. You're not any good. You know, you uh, you always knew that. Yeah. You know, and so there's that there's that part of us that's trying to. In a way, if you look at the internal family systems, it's kind of a protector. It's trying mm-hmm. to protect us right. from the pain of the arrows that may come. And so mm-hmm. it's always searching for them and then focusing on them. And it's trying to protect us from putting out our art, but it's actually not protecting anything. It's actually yeah. what Stephen Pressfield would call resistance. Yeah. It's that force that, that is holding us back mm-hmm. from like really attaining our potential. Yeah, And I think the the people who really succeed... You know, they find a way, I think in the highest in kind of the, the highest way that I've seen this is somebody who, to use a, a warrior ethos metaphor, you think of Alexander the Great. So mm-hmm. Alexander the Great had a giant white stallion named Bucephalus and he wore a giant double plumed helmet. And he stood at the front of his army mm-hmm. and he did that because he wanted all the arrows to come at him. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the most well-trained, he was the best warrior, he had the best armor, mm-hmm. you know, and he was like, like, shoot your arrows at me. Yeah, And that inspired all of his, all of his men and all of his, you know, regardless of what you think about the intentions of conquest, et cetera, you mm-hmm. know, it was a different time and a different era. And I don't think putting our own morals on those things really... Absolutely makes sense, but nonetheless, as far as for a warrior culture, he exemplified a lot of beautiful things. And with that form of leadership, which is one category of what you might be called to do, you might be called to lead, you know, there's a f- famous story, and uh, in this story, he was deep going into India, and his men, the horses are coming up against elephants, and it's fucking hot and muggy and sweaty, and they're getting, you know, cysts and rashes underneath their armor, and it's just a fucking nightmare of a campaign, and they're so far from mm. the breezy shores of Greece. I mean, you've spent time in Greece, yeah. it's fucking beautiful out right. there, right? And they're in fucking the, the, yeah. the muck <laughs> right. in India, you know, whatever they are. And they're like, we want to fucking go home, man. Mm-hmm. It was like mutiny time. And so Alexander steps forward as the story goes, strips off all of his armor and reveals his body is just littered with scars, mm. scars from the arrows and the spears and the everything. And he strips down and he looks at his men and he says, you want to go home? Fine. Bring forth a man who has bled more than me and we will go home. Mm. And everybody looks around and they look at his body littered with scars. And they just start pounding their chests or like, we're yeah. with you. Yeah. And there's something really beautiful about that story because if you are, if you are gonna lead and you are gonna put yourself out there, there's some shift that you have to make mm-hmm. where you go, No, it's fine. Yeah. Come here, arrows. Yeah. Like come like I'll take the arrows so those so those can follow behind me and take less arrows. Yeah. you know, for what they for what they do. And and that's that's at my best. That's what keeps me going. Cause it's not that the arrows don't hurt, but there's a part of me that's like, no, I got to do this so that, cause I can take it, you know, like I can handle it and I can, I can deflect the arrows. I can receive the arrows. I can move to a different octave. So the arrows just pass through me. Like it's the old movie ghost and Mm -hmm. you're trying to punch a ghost and it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, there's nothing happening. Like I'm at a different octave, but that attitude of, like, yeah, you know, same with, um, same in the story of Leonidas and the Spartans mm-hmm. when they said, Our arrows will block out the sun, and they laugh, and okay, we'll fight in the shade. Mm-hmm. There's like a different mentality that I think you can click into, yeah, where you're no longer afraid of failure and you're no longer afraid of the arrows, you're yeah. just driven by your purpose and the yeah. gnosis of who you are.
1: Yeah, I think, I think what you bring up is a good point because. You know, you your purpose has to be so strong that it doesn't fucking matter. And like for me, um, like one of the fears that that my wife has is, is as I gain popularity, my safety might come into issue. You know, there there are some people out there that have some, you know, it, look at what happened with
0: John Lennon and that type of stuff. Not saying sure. that I'm on that level in any sort of way. I mean, I've gotten I've gotten half a dozen death threats. Like serious, like serious. But death it doesn't theft. stop you.
1: Right. No. And that's that's what I'm like, and there's that, but there's also a point where like looking at you like, you don't have to work. Like you have a life where you're, you've, you've exited. You're good. But if I were to take a guess based off of how I know you is the way I feel too, is I'm either going to succeed at this or I'm going to die trying. And the reason why I feel that way is because for me and for we, we both try to help the world in some sort of way. And we've both been at very dark moments in our lives many times, right? And yeah. we know what it feels like to be in that moment. And that's the thing. Maybe that, like yesterday. Yeah. Right. Me, me yesterday too, bro. So yeah, good. yeah, all right. Good.
0: perfect. It. perfect.
1: But that's, and that's the thing is it doesn't go away. It doesn't yeah. stop, but you just you just get tools to become better. But for me, it's like I trust that whatever set, whatever, the, whatever God and I decided before we came here what my life was going to look like, I trust that it, whatever happens is going to happen perfectly exactly it's supposed to. But when you're in those dark moments and you get yourself out of it, people don't have to become coaches. They don't have to start a podcast and do the type of stuff that we do. But what we're really trying to do is go, I know what that feels like, and I wanna do everything that I can to try to help people get out of that place. Yeah. And if if death comes because of that, or if I work myself too hard, whatever it might be, so be it. But it's kind of like the same thing where you hear about burning the ships, where you know everyone wanted to leave once they got on the shore. And they said, hey, if you guys wanna leave, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna burn the ships. Either we succeed here or we die trying. Mm. And that's really what it comes down to purpose, where it's like, I remember hearing uh, Will Smith, he's not the best person to talk about anymore, I guess. It's kind of tragic without people hating him after the whole thing with Chris Rock, but- He slapped the guy. Yeah, here, he slapped the guy, right? So it's like, he, got on, he says, if we get I'm, onto I'm, a like, treadmill- look,
0: This may expose part of my own badness, please, fine. Please. Get your wife's name out of my mouth and slap somebody in the face. I'm good with it. I'm fucking good with it. <laughs> that's a protector right there, right? I'm good with it. Yeah. He didn't close his fist. No. You know, Chris Rock didn't have to spend the night in the hospital. Yeah. How come it's cool if hockey players drop the gloves and probably right. bash each other in the face <laughs> for fucking nothing? Right. But but he goes, and sla-
1: fine, fucking slap somebody. Yeah. Whatever. But one of the things he says is he's like, if we get onto a treadmill, you're either getting off first or I'm going to die on that treadmill. Yeah. And that's that's really the way that I feel about it, where it's like, I don't want to do all of this anymore just for like fame and notoriety I did for a while that's really what I was going for for a while and that's a hollow existence and it just got to the point of like I've seen people's lives change from putting the stuff out there I know you've got you've gotten death threats but you've also probably gotten a thousand times more success. like you saved my life this helped me out so much totally and and so we all kind of find our place in the world I always say it's funny because I've had people come up to me and they're like You're the very first podcast I listened to. I started getting into personal development. Now I listen to Aubrey Marcus. I'm in a spiritual development. I'm like, I'm kind of like the gateway drug for Aubrey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm kind of the gateway drug where it's like, I want mine to go out to the masses and go from like, from zero to a hundred. And then there's also people like there that are at a hundred to 200 that help people get, you know, once Mm -hmm. you're deep into it, now we can go deeper in another different way. And, but the reason why it's important to you is because you've been at the point where it's, it's, it's hard. Like life is hard, of but you've also been able to get the tools to get yourself out of it. And it's important that we teach those tools. And that's, you know, what a coach does in general is I have the tools in my tool belt. I know what you've been through. Take this journey with me. Let me try to help you out of it.
0: Yeah. So many things to offer there. I think one of the things that people try to do in that keeps them, it's part of their refusal of the call mm. is they paint a picture that the ones who succeed had it easy. Oh yeah. You know? So, you know, they find out that my dad was a successful commodities trader. Yeah. He was. Yeah. And by the time I started on it, he had lost his mind. He did not give me a penny to mm-hmm. start on it. I got that from my friend Bodie and my friend Howard. And we grinded out, you know, this nine figure business from $110,000 investment without ever doing a series A, without getting any, anything else. We mm-hmm. fucking made it, we made it work. But so many people, it doesn't matter how many times I tell that story, you know, so many people like, must be easy, bro, like, right, like, easy for you to say. And I'm like, well, I did have a lot of, I did have a lot of blessings, blessings in that my father also came up from nothing, you yep. know, started with $30,000 and turned it into 30 million, being a beautifully talented commodities trader. And mm-hmm. he believed in himself and he imparted that belief in myself. So, that's, yes, I did get something that a lot of people don't have and mad blessings to that. My mom, you know, grew up in Seal Beach and grinded it out on the tennis court, made it to the semifinals of Wimbledon. So I was given a gift that is, you know, irreplaceable, Mm -hmm. which is belief in myself. So Mm -hmm. I'm not discounting that I had gifts, Mm -hmm. but like people always wanna say like, oh, it's just easy for the people who win, but that's just resistance, keeping them from having the belief in themselves and the motivation to actually be successful Mm -hmm. on their own, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's one, you know, that's one factor is you gotta watch the stories that you're telling Mm -hmm. about and watch, especially if you're being critical of somebody else, like, is that because you're really jealous, Mm. you know, and critical of yourself and Mm -hmm. wish that you would put your art out there? You know, if you're just typing cringe on somebody being emotional or whatever, are you afraid of being emotional? Right. You know, so there's lots of things that are revealed actually by the person slinging the arrow and you know i've had also many situations where sometimes i'll i'll feel like somebody if if actually a mirror is held up like they'll be able to see something they'll be able to grow Mm -hmm. from this but obviously you can't respond to every arrow that way because sometimes people are just fucking like oh great we're in a firefight now you know i got nothing but fucking bullshit arrows um and then the last thing to touch on about what you said is yes there are things worse than death yeah there are things worse than death and i remember um you know, during the pandemic, you know, I had, I had strong beliefs about it. I didn't Mm, believe that I knew for sure, but I had strong beliefs, particularly about certain ways that we were allocating resources and the lockdowns and et cetera. Um, You know, and I had my beliefs about, you know, about the whole immunology Thing. But that wasn't, that, that wasn't, that really wasn't where I was focused. I was like, what are we doing as a culture here? Mm. Are we, are we really looking at the whole picture? But it was so venomous out there, mm. you know, to post anything. And so I was being quieter than I normally would have, mm. you know, at the start. And it felt like I was just suffocating. Mm. Like I just started to suffocate. And it was, I was dying a slow death. And then from that came, you know, this poem that came out of spoken word, A Revolution of Solidarity. And finally, when I released that poem, it was like I could breathe again. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, I got a bunch of shit from that and I got like attacked all over the place and, you know, there's people making whole cottage industries about attacking me and, and, you know, the people who spoke out during those times. But if I didn't, I was already dead. I was dead anyways. So going out and doing that was actually the only way that I could live. And it's not... I b- truly believe that we're not trying to get through this life, not dying. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get through this life living. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather spend, you know, a few years, truly capital L living than, you know, 50 years avoiding, quote, death. Yeah. death is just a fucking illusion anyways. Like we're here to live. If we're not going to live, fuck it. Yeah. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. Krishnamurti talk. You ever read Krishnamurti? A little bit. <laughs> um yeah, I got into him because
1: I, you know, Peter Crone's been on your podcast. And I think we actually talked about him. last podcast I was on, he was just a wizard. And a wizard. he talks about Krishnamurti a lot. And I, so I was like, I'm gonna start reading this guy. And I've read a lot of his stuff. And one of the things that he says, it deals exactly what you're talking about, which is we're so afraid of death. But then if you actually take a step back and you look at how you're living your life, he goes, you should be more afraid of living because are you truly living? Like if you're living through fear to, to not be injured, if you're living and restricting your joy, if you're restricting your happiness, if you're restricting the sadness, the vulnerability, the, all of the aspects of what a human is, which is the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows, which you know you and I in the past few months have gone through all of those, the highest yeah. of highs and lowest of lows, which is... Are you really living if you're trying to avoid all of that stuff? And so it's like many people are afraid of death. I personally am afraid of not living. That's what that's my biggest fear. So, you know, one of the things you said was was great is that you had gifts from your dad. But I also think some of the greatest gifts that you you got from your dad as well was the things that you had to go through and the traumas that came from the stuff sure. later on down the road. Sure. You know, I, I had sent you a video with your father's passing and 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 I reframed my uh for the longest time, I thought. My dad, because he was an alcoholic, you know, so my dad's story was uh, when he was 12, he heard a gunshot go off in, in his his parents' room. He went in and his dad, had, you know, was leaning over the side of the bed and shot himself in the mouth with the shotgun. That's what my my dad had to see. And he had to walk into that at 12 years old and he never really overcame it. And I used to think that my dad was like this, this lower level being like not as evolved as me. Like, why couldn't he figure it out? Mm. You know, like, why couldn't he just figure it out? And then I realized, through all of the stuff that I went through, it was able to, to take that and turn it into some good in some sort of way. And, um, and I looked at it and I started thinking about it. I said, okay, if, if we're a soul before we come into this, this world and we decide that's the life that I want, and if my dad's up there and he's looking at, you know, his soul's looking at he's saying, Steve Dial, okay, he's gonna see his father get, you know, kill himself. He's gonna walk in, see that happen. He's gonna be an alcoholic. He's gonna go through this. His children are gonna go through this. And this is what he's gonna have to go through. But through that, his son is going to do this with his life. His daughter is going to go and become, you know, my sister's in school to be a, a psychologist to help battered women. That's her, her calling. And he looks at it and he goes, yeah, I'm going to take that Steve Dial one. Mm-hmm. That reframed my mind of maybe he wasn't a lower level being. As Ram Das says, some people come in here and they, they choose the hard route because they're a higher frequency of a being and they mm-hmm. came here to serve the world and sometimes that serving of the world is the hardest path that they have to actually go through for them to change the people's lives around them yeah and i think that you can we can look at like the gifts that we had that we think are good and bad but really what it comes down to is like all of that is a gift every aspect of it is a gift sure.
0: and that's a that's a choice that we make and i mean i have a slightly different view cosmologically mm-hmm. than you i mean i I be- really believe that in free will. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we have choices. Every person has choices. Mm-hmm. And I believe that because I believe that there's, there's varying degrees of free will, mm-hmm. depending on our access to spirit. But mm-hmm. actually the choice happens at a dimensional octave that's higher than the materialist reductionists that are measuring brain right. neurons firing. It's right. happening at a different level. And mm-hmm. if you don't have access to that level of consciousness, yeah. you have very little free will. Right. So I get that. So it's not that, it's just that I, from many of my countless psychonautic journeys, I feel the place of choice Mm. and I feel the accessibility to choice come in. So I recognize that a lot of people have limited choices, but I also believe that everybody does have some some choice and some free will that decides which way it goes. But what I do know is that no matter what happens, we have, so I don't believe that everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. right? And I actually hate it when people say that. Mm-hmm. You know, like my best friend, Aaron Rodgers, just tore his Achilles mm-hmm. in this fucking heroic, you know, moment, mm-hmm. coming out to play for the Jets. The whole city's on fire. It was one of the most tragic things yeah. ever. And the last motherfucking thing I was gonna tell him is like,
1: it everything happens for a happens reason. For a reason.
0: Right, for You've sure. been like, fuck you, bro, <laughs> Right, like, fuck you. And I actually don't believe that's true. But what I did tell him is, It's like, I don't know why this happened, man. I don't know if this was God's will. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this was pure chance. I don't know if this was the dark forces Mm -hmm. that like a snake came and bit you in the heel. I don't know. I don't know why it happened. But what I do know is that you get the choice Mm -hmm. to define whether this is a blessing or a curse. Mm -hmm. Like you are going to decide the meaning that this has in your life Mm -hmm. and you have that power. Yeah. And, and that's, really I think the choice that we have to make it's Mm -hmm. like is it a blessing or curse I don't know it depends on what you do with it right depends on your depends on the choices that you make yeah and if you make consistently you know choices that bring you closer to love and strength and courage and truth and beauty and and purpose Mm -hmm. and service all you make all of those choices then yeah everything happened for a reason yeah you know, and yeah. that's your choice. And it goes back to, you know,
1: the the basic thing that they say a lot in spirituality, which is just everything's either fear or love. You know? And I think that that whatever his choice is, as long as he feels it's through love, I think that's the important thing. And we all right. have so many choices. I've made many choices out of fear in my entire life. And very rarely does it come back. And I'm like, man, that was a great choice. Right. But if I come and I look at it through the through the lens of like, what, what do I love? What would bring more love to the world? How can I, how can I serve people at a higher level? Um, I think that's the most important decision we can make is either I'm going to, I'm going to operate through this world in a, in a frequency of fear, or I'm going to operate in this world through a frequency of love. It's so much harder to, to to go through the frequency of love. Like it's, it's easy, but it's also harder because right. it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's easier in a lot of ways, but it's also harder in a lot
0: of well, ways. Fear has its boot on our throat. Yeah. You know, and love is a subtle field. Yeah. And sometimes it's harder to, it's harder to access for sure. But once you do access it, then it's way easier. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, it was my brother, Ted Decker, who's been on my mind a lot lately. He's like, uh, you know, a real Christian mystic. And he studies the work of Paul Selig and the guides. Mm -hmm. And one of the teachings that come through is any action taken in fear is bound with fear. Mm. Like, so no matter, even if it's the right action, but it's taken from a place of fear, it's going to be bound in fear. And mm. you're going to have to deal with the fear that's mm. bound in the action that you take, right? And, and I think also what we're talking about is not the awareness of danger, right? You know, awareness of danger and fear is not the same thing. Yes, if you could call it the same, but there's ca- lowercase fear and big capital F fear. And what mm-hmm. we're talking about is big capital F fear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I've always tried to think about that as like, it doesn't, yes, it matters that you take the right action, but it matters just as much how you take the right action, Mm. you know, and sometimes moving from fear to love will change the action. Sometimes it won't change the action. Mm -hmm. The action might be the same. Mm -hmm. I got to leave my job. I got to do this, but it could be the right action. But are you taking it for the right reasons with the right energy? Are you binding this choice in love? and if you bind the choice in love i think you have less call it karma if you will that you're mm-hmm. going to have to deal with the car- fear karma that you're going to have to deal with you'll mm-hmm. have a, re- a reservoir of love and mm-hmm. uh, it's very diff- very it's very very rare that you regret those choices that are truly made mm. from a place of love
1: if it's um, i'm curious about that cuz that's really interesting does he say if it's bound in fear can you eventually become aware of that and then switch it to sure. be, to bound You can it transmute
0: alive. it. You can you can alchemize it. Yeah, but you have to deal with it, right? Like you're setting yourself up with something else. That's like it's like bringing an apple with you on a, on a long on a long trip, but coating it in poison, mm. right? All right, well, you're going to have to find some soap and water at some mm-hmm. point. You can't just bite into the apple. Mm. You're going to have to clean it. But it was the right choice to bring the apple. Yeah, like good choice. Yeah. You know. And did you, so in this case, it's a simple, silly, silly, you know, example to offer, but yeah. did you bring the apple because you love apples? Mm-hmm. And then there's no poison in the apple, or did you bring mm-hmm. the apple because you were terrified that you might be hungry? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, yeah. and so that's kind of the the metaphor that's used. And I think it's, it's helpful because it's not only right action, and but it's the right process to make the right action.
1: Yeah, I'm curious with you. Did you? I'm like, I'm not trying to interview you, but now I'm now I'm really well, curious. Well, we're with both fucking <laughs> podcasters, so this, <laughs> this is inevitable, bro. This is inevitable. Do you think that you that you started on it from a place of fear or love? And was there a moment that you you kind of awoken to? There was, to it, it, it was
0: both. I mean, um, it was a lot of love mm-hmm. at the start, and then a lot of fear came in. Mm especially when I started to be successful mm. because everything that I'd tried before that I'd failed yeah and it was like wait you're you're saying that this is working yeah no way yeah. like no way and I was looking around so vigilant just mm-hmm. eyes peeled at every and I think part of being as you know a CEO and part of you know leading a startup or an idea is vigilance is important mm-hmm. but I was taking it way too far like mm-hmm. one of my big regrets is I, I rarely regret you know what i've done but i've regretted how i've how i've gone about it and mm. i didn't have to be so scared for the first yeah. you know from 2011 to 2019 i was fucking pretty terrified the, the, the whole way you know what of somehow, some way, this whole thing was going to slip fall. away and fall apart. Yeah, and yeah. all of this success was going to be some cruel joke from the universe like, yeah. ha ha, Aubrey, you thought you were going to be successful yeah. and you thought you were going to be able to build something great, but we were just setting you up for an even bigger fall. Yeah, And uh, and really, I think the last few years, have I've started to be able to operate from a greater place of faith mm. where I just have a greater faith in myself Mm -hmm. my ability to withstand the difficult situations that i'll go in and my greater faith in the universe god the cosmos and i believe we're constantly in conversation with the divine that's Mm -hmm. part of my hebrew lineage Mm -hmm. you know like part of the lineage is the one who wrestles with god wrestles with god what does that mean it means that god's asking you what do you want and you're asking god what what do you want and you're working it out together because there's a dimensional reality where God doesn't understand what we're going through. Mm. So God's asking us, "What do you want? What, we, mm. what, are, what should we do?" Mm. And, you're at, and you're asking God, "Like God, I can't see. I can't see the whole landscape. What should we do?" Yeah. And, and I've been in those conversations where it's like, we're both we're both looking at each other, like, "What do you think? What do you think?" <laughs> and I'm like, you know. And, and I'll be like, "I trust you, God." And God's like, "I trust you." Yeah. And there's this, it's this cool moment. And, and that's really come with my understanding of the Hebrew lineage. I didn't, I'm not just making this up. This yeah. is my lineage. Yeah. And this is the way that we understand you know, the way that we interact with the divine. And it makes a lot of sense to me based on my own plant medicine journeys, et cetera. So with that, there's come a greater faith. Mm-hmm. Now, let me give you the counter of that. I also know that there are dark forces out mm-hmm. there that are beyond just the, own, the fear that I hold in my own body. There's ag fear in the aggregate.
1: Mm-hmm. There's,
0: fo- there's forces that are trying to undermine us at all times. Mm-hmm. And what their motivation is, we could go into the whole dark Trinity. I've done that before on a podcast. Mm-hmm. I did that on a podcast with blue. You want to hear me break down the dark Trinity, you know, uh-huh. listen to my podcast with blue. Um, but fundamentally, there are also dark forces at yeah. play. And so that's why when Aaron had his injury, I was saying like, look, bro, I don't know if this is God. I don't know if this is the dark forces. I don't know if there's just chaos mm. in, the, in, the, in the universe. And this was neither. Mm. Just random chance. Mm. I'm not sure, you know, but I do know what you can do from here. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I have a great amount of faith, but when I lose faith is when I'm like, fuck, the dark forces are too strong, mm. you know? And, and then I find an even greater strength. And mm-hmm. like, no, they're not. Like like the the God forces, the forces of the helpers, the star nations, the angels, the the divine, the Shekinah in mm-hmm. my in my lineage, they're stronger. And yep. we're stronger and we're gonna make it. And, yep. uh, and I find myself able to move back to a place of faith. But um and so sometimes I can catch myself almost giving too much respect to the dark forces. I think mm-hmm. it's important to have some respect. And mm-hmm. that's why like you encounter, you know, the saying, not today, Satan. Like mm-hmm. in a plant medicine journey, you may encounter a devil or mm-hmm. a demon. Mm-hmm. And you have a choice. You can either there's lots of ways you can deal with demons, but a lot of times it's like respect, not today. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna contest with this. Like I respect your power. Right. And uh, and we'll we'll pick another day to yeah. to lock horns. Yeah,
1: I think it goes back to like the the important part of it when you're talking about like talking with God. A lot of people are like, you know, I remember growing up in in being a Catholic, and God was always this this supreme being that was above you. He was like a king, and you were just like the subordinates. You were kind of like the peons, and you yeah, you can't you can't really. Talk to God. Yeah, if you do wanna to talk to God, you can, but you have to go through another person. It's like a higher being who- translate. Yeah, you have to, have to translate her, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they always ask like, with intuition, with gut feeling and all of that, like, how do you connect to that? And, and I think that one of the the struggles I think people are dealing with right now, they've probably dealt with forever, is that we're also cerebral and we always are on our phones and we're always, like I deleted Instagram, Uh, about 40 days ago, it was the best thing that I've ever done. And I feel, because it's just, I'm not getting pulled to it anymore. Like my screen time was cut in half on my iPhone. And it was because of the fact that I felt like I was too in my head all the time. Like I was in my head all the time. And I feel like a lot of people are as well. And so I've tried to get more still moments. And it's like, God speaks in the silence. But a lot of times it's not, it's not always it can be a voice that's in your head. It can be somebody that comes to you and says something to you. And it's like, that's almost like God or the universe speaking through this human. But a lot of times it's like just a feeling. And I think that for me, the way that I try to connect with God is like, is when we're having that conversation that you're talking about is like, what do we feel is right? Like I can, I can go into fear and I can feel fear. And a lot of times I notice it coming from my head, but if I try to like actually connect with my heart and I actually, and this is hard, was hard for me specifically as a guy who just wasn't, was taught to throw his emotions away, Mm -hmm. taught to not pay attention to them. You know, boys don't cry, playing all these sports where it's like, it's, you're not taught to really feel into yourself. But what I've, what I've come to find is that if I make a decision off of what feels right, like to my core, I still to this day haven't found a decision that hasn't worked out that way. Yeah. But it's really hard to take a step back to say, I'm going to disconnect from the world, from Netflix, from YouTube, from, from the iPhone, TikTok, all of those things. I'm going to disconnect from this, and I'm going to actually go to the silence and just ask the silence, "What should I do right now?" And that's what I've been trying to practice as much as possible right now with challenges in life, and having a business, and putting out a book. And you know, I was uh, one of the uh, the people. I don't know if you saw the whole thing with uh, with Theo Vaughn and all the people who were screwed out of a lot of money uh, with uh, Cast yeah, Media. I, I mean, was in uh, that.
0: You were in that too.
1: I was in that for a very significant amount and more more than my house is worth. And, uh, and it was, it was really hard, you know, and and my immediate feeling of it, and I'm, uh, my immediate feeling of it was, and we're talking like, like, close to seven figures, right? My immediate feeling of it was, I'm going to go and aggressively fight this and sue and sue and sue and sue and then I took a step back and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch to another. I switched over to SiriusXM XM and and they were great and they've been amazing. And I was like, sometimes you just need to leave that behind you. And I could fight and I could try to try to you know sue. And that could be a long process, but what's my energy going to? Like that that energy isn't going right. to what I love and to actually create. And so I could sue and try to get whatever amount I could. But in reality, man, it's like it's never. For me personally, with podcasts, it's never actually been about money. Money has been a byproduct, which I've been super fucking blessed. I never thought I'd be in the position that I'm in. I always Mm -hmm. wanted to be in this position, but um, I'm not doing it for that. Like, you know, you had your podcast before I did. I started in 2015, nobody was making money off the of podcast when we started, pod. it wasn't a, a way to make money. Right. It was a way for me to be like, I know what people are going through. I wanna help people as much as I possibly can. And I felt obligated to teach it. And so I had this moment of like, do I go after it? And I go after and try to, try to fight, fight, fight with tooth and nail. Or do I say that that chapter of my life is done. I'm just gonna turn the page and I'm gonna focus on how I can grow this show and try to help people and try to make it better. Because, the energy that was inside of me, like when I saw Theo's video, it came back. Like it was there. And I was like, oh, I'm feeling that that stress, that anxiousness. And what I found is that my creativity is just destroyed when I feel that. Sure. And I'd rather just let it go and say, I was I was talking with Lewis Howes when it was all going on. And um, he's like, man, I'm so sorry you have to go through this. And I said, I trust that this is coming up because there's a lesson I'm supposed to learn from it. So that if this happens in the future, yeah. Or something starts to look like this could happen in the future, I'm gonna be protected in a way that I wasn't protected then, and it's just a, another life lesson, and and. Um yeah, it was a hard decision, but it's just like I'm just gonna switch. I'm gonna be done with this. I'm gonna wash my hands of it. Everyone's like, you should put out a video. You should tell all of the details. Go to war. Go to war. You know, put it all out. Load there. the war wagons, yeah, Mad Max, Max style. Right. Like, and, and I fully everything's could. gonna be shiny. <laughs> I could and Spray I've got, the chrome in your you know, mouth. I've got fucking... I've got emails and I've got text messages. Derek like that. All of that. <laughs> like that. Like that Mad <laughs> Max, Max reference. Like, like I could, I could absolutely 100% go and fight fighting isn't that, that fighting, some fighting can be from a place of love. That fighting is a pl- from a place of love. Yeah. And I'd rather just not spend my energy on that. Cause that energy of, of that gets in the way of creativity and that's getting in the way of my mission. And I trust that if I just follow what feels right in my heart, my head said fight. My heart said, let it go, man.
0: Just turn the page. There's greater things for you in the future. Yeah. That's always a, that's always a tough choice. I just want to take a brief moment to let everybody know that we're back again with the arcadia festival of a more beautiful world november two through five area 15 in nevada and our lineup this year is insane we have actually literally my dream lineup of artists and speakers Including like Chromio, The Glitch Mob, Floozies, Dr. Fresh, Troy Boy, Elderbrook, Jai Wolf, Desert Dwellers, Perangi, Makad Brooks, The Human Experience. I mean, the music is out of control. On the main stage, I'll be speaking. Mama Gina will be speaking. Del Bigtree will be speaking. In Q, the greatest living poet, in my opinion, will be speaking. And we got Matias DiStefano. We have Blue. We have so many unbelievable speakers and unbelievable experiences at the Area 15 property out there in Nevada, which is also mind-blowing and awe-inspiring, and just a beautiful community of people that are there to make a stand for life, to make a stand for celebrating our sovereignty, our freedom, our love, our joy, our ecstasis, our play, and wrap it in a container where we get to actually stand together facing a shared horizon and say, we are here, we are here, we are here, we're going to blow this away. Anybody who comes, I promise you, it's going to be an unforgettable experience. And I just can't wait to see you guys there. So if you're interested, tickets are going extremely fast. Go to fitforservice.com Arcadia with a K and check it out. There's a few different ticket options, whether you just want to attend for the festivities at night, or if you want to be part of the full immersive speaker program, or if you want to help with a lifetime membership and be a builder of what Arcadia not only is now, but will be for many years into the future. So once again, fitforservicecom slash Arcadia with a K. I can't wait to see you guys there. So w- during my tenure at on it, mm-hmm. there was a couple decisions we had to make about whether to engage in legal battles mm. and there was what I really felt was a very thin patent claim mm. on the combination of two different ingredients. Mm-hmm. And so we got with our attorneys and they were like, you got a really good chance to fight this mm. and win. Because this, is, this patent should have never been granted. Yeah. It's the combination of two natural ingredients. So there's no novelty to this compound and it was granted, but you could fight it. But this is a multi-year, multi-million dollar process. And if you lose, you're going to have to pay everything plus all the legal fees. Mm -hmm. And if you win, you maybe get your legal fees covered, but you don't really, and you don't have to pay, but it's still, but I was like, I could feel the energy like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm getting taken advantage of here. Of course. You know, like somebody's trying to go steal some of the food off my table Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, we earned fairly Mm -hmm. and it was a difficult, deep decision. It's same, same thing. Like, do we, do we circle the wagons? Or Mm -hmm. do we just say, okay, you know, like this, this energy. And I had a lot of, you know, wise people, entrepreneurs, and, you know, founders and CEOs, and almost all of them said, don't find it. Really? like don't I fight. I thought it was going to be the opposite. They're like, don't fight it. It's not mm. worth your energy. Mm. It's not worth your time. You may win, mm-hmm. but like, you're going to lose. Mm. Even if you win, you're going to lose. Mm. And, uh, and so I took their advice. I don't like, when we got to the point of payout, there was something about it that was really hard. It was like really hard. And I don't know if it was the right choice because I didn't walk the other path. Mm. You know, like, I don't know what that other path would have been, but, um, it's these are difficult decisions mm-hmm. that we'll all have to make at certain times mm-hmm. you know it's like do you do you fight mm-hmm. or do you accept do you mm-hmm. turn the other cheek you know and this is this is where you really have to to go deep and see like there's certain things that you need to stand for on principle mm-hmm. and that you do need to fight mm-hmm. you know and there's certain ways that you need to stand up and there's certain times where it's like this is not my battle mm-hmm. and i think the thing that the thing that I that kind of guides me is determining whether I wanna fight. I don't wanna get drawn into a fight that I didn't, that I don't wanna fight mm-hmm. and I didn't intend to fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's some fights that I wanna fight. Like mm-hmm. I wanna fight, I wanna fight as hard as I can for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Mm-hmm. I want that fight, mm-hmm. like bring it on. Like whatever fight, like I'll bring on that fight. I choose that fight. But some other tangential, you know, woke culture concept where I'm like, this sounds, this seems a little silly, but Mm -hmm. do I really want to fucking fight that? Like, that's not my battle. Like I'm battling, I'm battling to try and get the president of the United States elected, whatever small or moderate amount that I can help, I'm going to do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just about, for me, it's about choosing the battles and, and being wary not to open up too many fronts Mm -hmm. like if you read Robert Greene's strategies of war even back all the way to the art of war Mm -hmm. you know Sun Tzu like all the way all of the major failures is when people get too aggressive push too hard open up too many fronts Mm -hmm. you know like try to keep your your you know there will be times to fight but try to keep that focused Mm -hmm. and directed on the things that you really care about fighting for yeah that's I try to guide that every day and Okay, so now here's an, there's another interesting thing though. There's a lot of energy that's created in fighting. And if you pick if you pick battles that you care about and you actually pick battles, you will draw a lot of attention to yourself. Yeah. And it could be helpful, but it's like so it's an interesting strategy that I think about and and the rule for that is is like never pick a fight with somebody who's smaller than you. Mm period. In any in any in any situation. You know, like don't pick physical fist fights with anybody, mm-hmm. you know. Defend yourself if you have to. But in all of these like other battles, like, don't pick somebody who's smaller than you to fight with. If you're a rapper, you know, don't start beef with, you know, little little homie or whatever fucking <laughs> yeah. tiny rapper there is if you're if you're fucking jay-z yeah. don't start that beef because yeah. that's just going to raise that person up to your level the moment you engage in conflict so you know if you're going to take a swing make sure it's at somebody or some concept that's bigger than you are yeah. and then you can kind of jack some of that energy from that and you know that's one of the strategies that i think has been successful for some people but you have to have the constitution of a fighter to do that you know like and same in UFC like don't call out somebody if you're the fifth ranked fighter Mm -hmm. call out the champ yeah you know or call out the number one or number two contender you know move call out somebody who's up don't Mm -hmm. call out like hey there's that motherfucker who beat me in amateurs you know (laughs) He's ranked number 30. I'm ranked number five. Like, right. I'm going to talk shit about that guy. All right, well, you're going to get that fight. But what good does that do you? Yeah. It doesn't do you any Especially good. Especially if you lose that fight. Of course. It's all It's all loss. Yeah. It's all ego. It's all loss. And it's all like, it's only going to help the one you're fighting. Mm-hmm. So I really try to keep that in mind. And my proclivity is not to pick fights in, in general, but mm. I sometimes think about it. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should take a swing.
1: Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? And And something I really believe in.
1: Yeah, well, and it's like it's interesting because if you look back to what you were talking about with with on it and the lawsuits and stuff, where it's like you pay you had to pay out, and you know I had to sign a contract saying that you know if I can get out of this this agreement that we have, and you could just I I won't go for any of that money because I'm out of this and I can sign a new contract with a company who actually cares about me, but it's like you we don't know what it could have been had you taken that fight, but if you look at like what the path ended up being of it ended of up working audit, out. You know, you, the, no the, the mental energy and the physical toll that it could have taken on your body to go that route could have been immense. And it might have not turned out to you getting the, the exit out of audit like you you did. Totally, It could have, I don't know. We don't we don't really know what it is. But it really comes back to like trusting yourself, I think is an important thing, right? Like you, you t- checking in and saying like, is this the fight that I want? Or is this just a fight that I'm going into based out of ego? Like, is this a fight that's going to be that I truly believe in? And sometimes that's yes, and sometimes like, I had a I had a call with uh, with uh, the guy who just put out the video yesterday, Coffeezilla, who put out the the whole the whole thing. I don't know if you've seen the documentary on on the whole thing that just happened with with Brian Callen and with uh, with Theo and everybody, and um, and I saw it, and I, I had spoken to him, and he's like, you should sue, like you should you you're, there's this there's this there's this. He's giving behind the scenes on stuff. And I called him my lawyer, and I was like, I felt the feeling again of like, hey, let's fucking fight. Like, dude, because mm-hmm. we're guys, too. Like, fighting does become sure. fun sometimes. But then I was like, I've got, I've got so much of my player right now that feels like a, a place of love and labors of love. And that fight just doesn't feel like a labor of love. Now, if somebody wants to to... I come at my wife on something, I'll fuck you up. Of course. Right? But that's, that's from a place of love and protection Mm -hmm. and and what I feel is right. And I think a lot of people just need to get better at trusting themselves based off of the, okay, I'm going to make this, like, I always talk about decisions as a really important thing that people need to pay more attention to is a lot of people have resistance towards decisions. And when you look at They'll have resistance to a decision. And then they make the decision and go, fuck, was that the right decision? I don't know if that was mm-hmm. the right decision. Should I go back? Should I change it? When you look at the root word of of decision, it's decadere, which means to cut off, mm-hmm. which means you literally cut off all other options. And so like going back to what you were talking about with, with um, was, was Alexander the Great, mm-hmm. you know, that he had to get his team and everybody that was there to make a decision. Like we're going to do this. When you burn the ships, it is a decision of I'm going to do this. When you start you know a business whatever it is it's it's a this is a decision i'm going to do this and i'm going to cut off all other options
0: yeah it's it's uh you know it's julius caesar when he crossed the rubicon river with the army which meant civil war mm-hmm you know, as he, as he was crossing the famous line that he said is, which is the die is in dice. The die is cast. Mm-hmm. Like there's no turning back mm-hmm. We've crossed the Rubicon. Mm-hmm. And this is the classic part of the hero's journey where you cross the threshold. Mm-hmm. And if you're waffling back and forth and, and straddling the line of the threshold, you know, the chasm is just going to get greater and your inaction and your wobbling is also a decision. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that passive decision not to decide, yeah. which sometimes decides for you. And I see this in, in a lot of relationship dynamics as well. Like people are making a passive decision to break up with somebody mm-hmm. by just not doing anything in the relationship until the other person has to do it or it just yeah. falls apart. And it's like, that's not the way. Like, Like have the courage to make the decision make the fucking decision Mm -mm. you know that's like that's the that's the king energy king energy is line energy line is you know this is discretion this is my discretion we're moving forward in this direction and i believe it was you know castaneda said like choose a path any path as long as it's a path with heart
1: Mm.
0: you know and then don't look back like it's like you've chosen that path with heart and you fucking choose it Yeah. And go. Doesn't mean you can't make another choice as the landscape evolves, Mm -hmm. but to really like cross the threshold and make the decision and see it through. Because so many people get so close, or they, you know, continue the hero's journey metaphor, they, you know, they approach to the inmost cave. It starts to get really intense. And then there's the ordeal. And you have to have amazing courage and resilience to move through that point, Mm -hmm. you know, that point where the resistance gets to be the maximum. And that's where. You ultimately seize the sword and get the reward. Mm -hmm. You know, for on it that was 2018. You know, we had that was the ordeal.
1: When the when the lawsuit everything fell
0: apart. No, the lawsuit was a minor blip. It was you know that would be like that would be in the tests, allies, enemies category. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just approach. Not even the approach to the inmost cave, but Mm -hmm. there was major major issues internally in the company then. It's a whole story to tell, but mm-hmm. basically we, we created a situation we called cash apocalypse, and a lot of our allies dispersed. And we had our CFO just walk out of the door saying, you guys will be bankrupt in three months because mm-hmm. this investment deal that we were working on, like we pulled out at the last half yard line and we'd already distributed all our cash. And it was it was a nightmare situation. And, you know, that was the moment where myself and, you know, who became my CEO Jason Havey I was still the CEO then we're like all right we go out on our, you know with our shield or on it like we're gonna on it you know <laughs> uh, we're gonna go out one of the, one of these two ways you know with our shield or on it and yeah. um, and you know we got to we got to take our shields home with us at you know at the end of the day we yeah. made it through do you think uh, I'm curious because <clears throat> you know a lot of people talk about
1: manifestation and stuff but do you feel like you know looking at it, is it's interesting because one of the things that you said was you had this fear of like it getting so big and then you're just losing all of it and just disappearing. Do you feel like there might've been a part that was you you manifested it a little bit when it's like it was yeah. kind of there? And because of, of what I find with people and I'll, I'll give you a context of it is that most people, um, when they operate from a place of fear, they usually, whatever they're focusing on, they're gonna create that thing. And they're gonna I know, create so it in some annoying. sort of way,
0: isn't it? Right? So annoying.
1: And it's like, it's like, I wonder if there was, and you might be able to tell me if there was actually a switch when you were, you know, you you were afraid that you were gonna have the success, you got it, and then it was gonna crumble away. And there came a moment where you almost had it all crumble away. You're gonna like the CFO said you're gonna be bankrupt in three months. Was there a shift where you're like, Okay, I need to actually change the way that I'm I'm going about this.
0: Or yeah, do you think there it was just I by mean, chance that happened. Once the fear, once the fear actually manifests, there's something else that is actually comes through in me. There's mm. like a higher level courage and mm. a higher level. It's like my my weak point is in the is in the middle territory. Mm. When the crisis hits, when the shit hits the fan, you're good. I'm good. Yeah, like you're I'm probably good. better. I'm better. Yeah, I like I get better under yeah. under the more pressure. Like the better the better I am. You know, but in the mild pressure, I can give way to fears and I can give mm-hmm. way to, um, I'll tell you the one thing that like, I still haven't quite got over. And it's this fear of abandonment from the masculine. Mm-hmm. And, and this Me is too. that like, I had such a such a solid loving relationship with my grandma. She's tattooed on my arm right mm-hmm. here and my mom. And they were always there, like unconditionally loving. So it's been a real blessing in my relationships. Not that I haven't had hard shit that's happened in my relationships, but I have a deep trust in in the feminine. You know, I'm just I have faith in the feminine. And doesn't mean that I haven't had betrayals or been cheated on or, you know, been of course, all mm-hmm. that. But it doesn't, it's not like I'm afraid of that. It mm-hmm. just happens. Mm-hmm. And then I like, well, didn't expect that. But whatever, you know, so it's moved on. So, um, but with the masculine, like anybody who has like a really significant energy in my life, you know? So it's somebody who represents, you know, like father represented power and represented a really important position in my life. So with the masculine, when I have any of those relationships, even if they're brothers or if they're whoever they are, like, I'm always like, you gonna bounce, you are gonna mm-hmm. bounce. Like there's some part of me, and I've. It's it's a weird thing because you don't want to take full full like credit for or responsibility for the actions that other people take, right? That's their It's their actions, mm-hmm. but I can't I can't escape my complicitness in this pattern, this repetition of this pattern happening, you know, multiple times, mm. you know, for a variety of different reasons, but. You know, most every one of the like key masculine figures in my life has abandoned me at some mm, point, mm-hmm. and and that's like it's something that still fucking comes up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, god damn, yeah. Like it. Some of these some of these trauma patterns, especially when they were early, and the way it was with my father, so he would just get really angry about some in, inconsequential thing, completely withdraw his love, and I felt like totally abandoned now mm-hmm. he'd come back but he was always constantly abandoned and coming back and then the final abandonment of course which of course he didn't try to lose his mind and you know but it was he was he was my best friend in many ways mm-hmm. and he fucking was gone mm-hmm. one day he was just gone yeah you know, i could still not physically reach physically still physically there so, you know, so and, you know. I, and there was some part of me that couldn't escape the anger of like dad you're choosing this even mm-hmm. though you're not really but i know it's like you can make a different choice you know and um So it's interesting and it it gives me compassion for, you know, people who, you know, still have those early traumas that they're still working through. And fuck, like there's nobody who's done more work that I know Mm -hmm. than me, you know, from Mm -hmm. 24 years in the plant medicine journey, having masters like, you know, Dick Schwartz of internal family systems that gets to talk to me and Peter Crone and, you know, Mark Gaffney and all of these different people. But I still see it fucking sneak up Mm -hmm. and I'm like, God damn, there you are yeah. again, you yeah. know, and it's, it's, it's interesting.
1: Yeah. There's, it's interesting you say that. Cause I, I'm the same way as you in that way where obviously I felt abandoned by my father as well. And, uh, what I've, as you're talking, I'm, I'm like realizing awarenesses with myself too. And one of those awarenesses, um, that I'm noticing is that if I send a text message, you know, I'm, I'm married now, but if I send a text message to any female, whether they're in my company, outside of my company, even like, you know, I know some females that are very powerful, very successful females as well. If I send them a text and they don't text me for like a day, you're, you, already, you already know what I'm going to say because you're probably the same, right? Totally. If I send them a text and they don't text me back in a couple of days, no big deal. But yeah. if I send a text message to a guy who I look up to in some sort of way and yeah. it takes them two days to send me a text message back, I'm immediately going, fuck, man, like... Of course they wouldn't want me on. Of course, they, of course they wouldn't <laughs> want to talk to me. Like I have, you know, I have, I have a lot of friends that have had podcasts. And so, you know, I've been talking with them and mm-hmm. some of them have me on their podcasts. And, you know, I'm grateful that you have me on your podcast as well to, to talk about the book and everything. But there's, there's one of my friends that, uh, that has a huge podcast as well. That's a guy and he didn't text back for like two days. And I noticed the story coming up again of like, Oh, he's probably gotten too big for me. I must not be successful enough. I must not mm-hmm. be. He right. must, he must have moved on in some sort of way. And then, you know, that's running through my head for two days because I've got that father wound. And then he texts me back and he's like, I'd love to have you on. Sorry, I was out of, I was out of the country. And, and I and I was like, Thank you, universe, for showing me that this shit still exists inside of me. So do yeah. you have that as well? Where it's like, totally. it's, it pops up and you're like, Oh, of course they don't want to hang up. Of course, of course. they don't want to respond back to me.
0: And and for me, it's, you know. I think for you, the particular flavor mm-hmm. of it is I'm not good enough. Of course. Yeah. For me, I think the flavor of it, because this is the way the pattern was with my father, is they're going to have some story mm. that's not true. Mm. It's just a not true story. Yeah. And that's how it's always been is like, there's a story that's just fucking not true. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I was coming from a place of love doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, mm-hmm. but like, there was no, there was no malintent. Mm-hmm. There was no, I wasn't trying to like, I wasn't trying to, whatever you think I was trying to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I wasn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? so I then go to uh, this whole landscape of, okay, what is the reason? What is the way that they could have interpreted one of my actions one of the things that I said, one of the things that I'm doing, that they're going to judge me for because they don't know where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what'll come up in my head when mm-hmm. you know when I don't get those text responses for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, what's this motherfucker's story now? Mm-hmm. You know, here it comes again. Yeah, now I'm gonna have to deal with this fucking story. Yeah, and I, I mean, I have to say, it's been you know, it's probably, and that's the thing about the mind is it's like, well, you've seen this before, bro. Right. It's happened at least seven times. Yeah. You know, name them out. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, of course it's going to happen again. Yeah. And then it's just catching yourself and be like, no, it's not going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's interesting because it's like, it's uh, when you look at it with your, because I've heard you tell stories about your father before. When I've listened to your podcast, and it's like, I remember a story of you saying, I think there was something that happened in ping pong at one point in time, and then it, it didn't come for another couple of days. But that was like you viewing he had a story, and then it's going to come back and, and hit me in some right. sort of way. Yeah, for me it was like, and it's it's all it makes sense because for me it was, you know, I always tell people growing up with an alcoholic father was hard, but I was blessed to have like the best type of alcoholic father, which was he didn't beat me. He didn't touch me inappropriately. He didn't yell at me. He would just get drunk and fall asleep. And a lot of times what he would do is he would get drunk and forget about me and just, and, and so there's, there's times and I must've blocked them out of my head cause I don't really necessarily remember them. But my mom would say, you know, I grew up on Anna Maria Island in Florida. So I grew up on an Island and fishing was like my favorite thing in the world. And so my dad would call and say, hey, I'm going to take you fishing. I'll be there at four o'clock. And I was like, okay, cool. So I get all my stuff together, you know, 10 years old, getting everything together. And I'd be out there mm-hmm. four o'clock waiting on my fishing pole. And I'd sit there for an hour and he would just never show up. And I'd sit there for two hours and never show up. And my mom would eventually come out and say like, hey, he's not going to come. And so I think for, for, for us, it's very interesting because our story of what we have with the masculine we're still noticing that thing come up. And it's it's really interesting, man, because like what you're saying is you've done, you've done so much work on yourself in over the past 24 years, but it's fucking still there. And it's really interesting because I've, I've tried to get on this journey of, maybe there is no destination. Like maybe there is no moment in my life. You know, my grandfather lived in 96 years old and he was a person that I looked up most to. Oh, he was the, he was, the best example of what someone could become when they're a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can go one way, it can go another. He went the best way. And if I can live to, to, to 96 years old, I've got, you know, 59 more years. What if, I get to to 96 years old. I'm on my deathbed, and I still have that father wound, you know, <laughs> and it's still there. Yeah, for sure. And it's like it's it's because all too often we we say, "Oh man, I thought I fucking thought it was over this," you know. Like I've been on yeah. a personal growth journey and learning, and, then and all the myself. shame
0: comes in and all that, yeah. right? And it's
1: so then we have like the actual the thing of maybe I never get rid of it. And so I've had so many people that are on you know two years, three years into a, a growth journey and working on themselves, and they're like I just can't wait till it's over. And I was like. Me too dude. Good luck. I don't I don't know if it's ever going to get Good there. Luck. Yeah. And what's what's giving me a lot of peace is like maybe this is just a part of me. Like maybe like I have my right arm here. Maybe this is just a part of me and my father wound is just a part of me and maybe it'll never go away. But instead of trying to get rid of it, what if I can just try to become more at peace with it? And that's mm-hmm. really what the journey of like the past 4 years have been for me, which is yeah, you're going to be triggered in many ways over and over and over again. You're going to lose yourself over and over again in your lifetime. But you just got to go back and find yourself again. And and re- letting go of the, the feeling of a destination. Like I remember, I uh, I actually have probably listened to every single one of Ram Dass' podcasts. I was listening to him on the way here. Mm-hmm. I remember starting to think like, I want to start listening to this guy. And you had a podcast with East Forest that came out years ago when his yeah. album came out. And that's when I started listening to, to, to Ram Dass. So I need to thank you for that because Ram Dass has been like, the, one of the guiding lights in my life, like huge, huge, huge yeah. guiding light in my life. And um, even he got to a point where he said, I don't think I'm going to leave this life and be enlightened. And I was like, if Ram Dass ain't going to get enlightened, you're fucked, bro. Like You're, not <laughs> yeah, getting, yeah, totally. you're definitely totally. not totally. getting there, you know? Totally. And so it's for me, it's been like, it's been a lot more like inside of my body. The feeling is, <sighs> okay. It's more, it's not, it's not white knuckling my way through life, trying to get past this thing. It's like, here it is again. Work with it. Love it and And, as you love it, which is what Christian Merty talks about, which is loving that side of yourself, internal family systems talks about it, which it was a defense mechanism that came up as you learn to love it and care for it as as Christian murty says, it stops having so much grip over you in your life, and you can be able to just use it for the good that you need to when you need to use it
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's such a it's such a tricky beast because i I do believe that I want to it's like I want to transcend mm. this. I want to be able to transmute. I want to and in you know my Hebrew lineage you call this like a hisaron it's like a it's like a one of your great challenges or mm. one of your flaws and part of your gifts are overcoming these flaws and part of the gift of being having my words or actions misconstrued and then losing love is mm. that I'm a very good communicator mm-hmm. and I'm very aware of all of the ways that my actions could be taken so it's given me a superpower mm-hmm. so grateful for that. And I still want to heal this. The problem is, is that every time it happens again, yeah. it's like the the thing goes deeper. Yeah. It's like I'm actually really at peace with my father, but like, am I at peace with the other times that it's happened with other people mm. that have not healed? Now, a lot of times people come back, but in in most of the cases, people have come back. It's rare in some cases not, but you know, and they're like, "Hey, man, sorry, I was tripping." Mm. I'm like. It's all good, you know, yeah. like all of, but like you carved a groove deeper, you yeah. know, and and it's uh it's funny, you know, it's it's like I really one I could do this work on my own, mm. or two, you know, come on, somebody just like prove me wrong, yeah, <laughs> prove me wrong, yeah, like stick by me, and it's not that there haven't been people who are, who are like that, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so I think it's there's still work to be done. And and it's like, so how do you deal with those fears that come up, fears that have been patterned? Well, you can be okay with the reality where it does happen. Mm -hmm. You could be at peace with that reality. But when you really care, when it's your fucking boy Mm. and like you see what you're gonna do in the world together and you like, you're bonded to them. There's a new movie out by Guy Ritchie called The Covenant. Have you seen it? Mm -mm. Oh, fuck. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And in the covenant, I I cried. I cried through like literally the last hour of that whole movie because the covenant is a story about a bond and it's a bond between brothers. And Mm -hmm. it's a bond that no matter what, no matter how difficult or deadly it might be, the bond is not broken. And it really like, it touched that deep point where I believe in like a covenant. Mm -hmm. Like there is no way in hell I will abandon one of my friends. Mm -hmm. Like I just will not. I will not do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so like, I believe in that value. I believe in the value of the bond and the covenant. And so it's just seeing it in the movie, it gave me faith. It was like, oh fuck, this is real. Mm. The world is real because I think part of the challenge that I face is like, fuck, I, I kind of extrapolate universally and globally to the personal things that have happened to me Mm -hmm. and be like the world's just a fucked up place Mm. like there's there's no honor there's no code there's no covenant there's no bond that's sacred you know like people will double back on Mm -hmm. their on their bond and um that movie was really powerful for me and so like i see if i see a future where i can move beyond it but then again one that happens one more time you know and i'm I'm like back in a it's and maybe that maybe there'll be a point where it really liberates me, and mm-hmm. I just accept the world for what it is, mm-hmm. but I just can't shake that there's a better world mm-hmm. there's a world where the bond is real, where the covenant is yeah. real and and that there's relationships on the masculine side where that bond is real and it's it's not that on the feminine side it hasn't come up, and covenants haven't been broken I've broken covenants mm-hmm. you know on that side and had covenants broken and um but it's, it's, it's interesting, man. It's, it's, uh, you know, this is, it's something that's still alive in me now. And, uh, and I would like to, I would like to like transmute it because I want to believe that I want to believe that this value really exists in the cosmos.
1: Well, it's, it's like, and that's an important aspect where it doesn't have what we want is not to have the power over us anymore, right? We don't want to have that. We don't want it to have power over us in, in any sort of way. And the, the, you know, the, the interesting thing is I, this morning, um, my VP of operations, she was staying at my house and she's going to the Jets game on Sunday. And her, I was telling you right before we started, her fiance and her family, they're huge Jets fans. And this whole thing happened with Aaron Rodgers. They are so excited to go see him and stuff. And I was like, yeah, Aubrey's actually really good friends with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers. And she's like, really? And I was like, yeah, let me just put something on. I put it on this morning. And what was really interesting, man, is like the beautiful thing. And, and sometimes we don't, a lot of times, if it doesn't line up with our paradigm and our view of the world, we don't really see it. See it. You know, we, we tend to yep. miss it. And one of the things that, that was really beautiful about what I put on was he was talking about his first ayahuasca experience. And he was at the moment, um, and he was in, in the chair that you're in right now. And he was like, I saw all this and I said, is there anyone that can love me? And like the only person popped in his head was you, like that you were the first person. And it's like, we can look at it. And I feel like so many times the proof that our story isn't true is so right in front of our face, but it doesn't line up with our paradigm of ourselves and the story that we tell ourselves of who we are in the world and how it's going to be that we miss it. And I think like as a reflection to you is, is we can definitely be, you know, afraid of that. But when you look at like, dude, before he became friends with Aaron, he's like a fucking God in football, right? Like I'm sure you looked up to him in many sort of ways. And for him to think in his head, why know one person that's not going to leave my side and that will love me through all of my shit. And he, yeah. he he thought of you, you know, and it's like that type of stuff we need to remind ourselves of because all too often we go, oh yeah, but that was just, that was just based off the circumstance. So that, that wasn't, he didn't actually mean that or whatever it might be versus being like, trying to get that into like all 40 trillion of ourselves, which is there's a very powerful man, very successful that went, you know what? There's one other guy that's not going to leave my side. And it's, it's this guy. Yeah. And it's like, those, those things are so present and in front of our faces. But a lot of times we just don't allow ourselves to see yeah, them. Bro.
0: I mean, and, and as you're saying this, it's like, um, even in the stories that I'm telling on this podcast, it's like, i'm overlooking the i'm over overlooking a lot of the other examples yeah. you know and i'm just again it's like like what you said focusing on the arrows it's like i'm focusing on these other things that have happened but mm. not the things that are right in front of me the friends that have never yeah. left my side you know yeah. and and fuck like going through this with aaron you know as uh, you know i i was in the box, and you know, he texted me what had happened to him. Nobody knew; everybody thought it was an ankle injury, and he's like, "Tore my Achilles," mm-hmm. and I just started like weeping in the box, and like we're with a lot of his other people there, and and I'm like, like uncontrollably crying, mm-hmm. you know, because like I know what a serious injury that is. And then um, you know, he facetimes me, and I see him in there, and we're just crying together, and then he, um, you know, he sends his security guy up because he needs a ride home in the third quarter so i say a hurry goodbye to everybody go down to the locker room and i'm just there with him and for the next two days like the love that we expressed for each other was like it's a love that transcends like time and space mm. you know and, and so there's so many examples of this type of thing mm. and this is what i really this is what i really want this is what i want if i if i feel like that if i feel like you know there's like the bond is real. And even if circumstances or situations change, but the bond is real, then I feel like that's what gives me the energy to really keep fighting. And and so this is maybe the part of where my own resistance is, is like my own, that resistance, whether it's the dark force of resistance or my own fear, they always, evil always enters the wound. Mm. It tries to get me to be like, why are you fighting for this fucking world anyways? Mm -hmm. Because nobody's gonna fight with you when you really need it. You know, people will just turn their back on you and so this is my own like deep hisaron my deep wound Mm. and i think my full power my full power is is going to be you know accessed when i can actually like really really heal this hisaron and really Mm. trust the bond Mm. and um and trust it so much that it actually creates a field of trust because i have to say in you know at least one of these significant examples and you know, I apologize for insincerely for not mentioning names here. It's not it's private and it's I don't want to bring yeah, this and sure. make this a fucking thing, you know, but um it's like if I can really just believe that, you know, then I have so much more strength to fight because I know that I won't fight alone. Like I think my greatest fear is like I charge and I'm like, and I've I've gone through this in in the ayahuasca journeys and different journeys I've been in and i look around and i go where are my brothers mm. like where are my brothers mm. like where are those where are those people who you know i would die for like i would literally like fight to the death for these people and where are they mm. and so yeah that's the you know if i can step into that world where i where i just know that mm-hmm. i can charge forward and uh and like you know like the story of Orpheus and Eurydice, right, where he just all you got to do is walk out of hell and trust that your trust that your queen is going to follow you just mm-hmm. don't look back and you'll make it to paradise, and right at the end he looks back and there's lots of ways you can tell this story, mm-hmm. but the story is ultimately one way you could tell it is that he had this Heeron, this fatal flaw that the feminine was going to abandon him, mm-hmm. and so that fear caused him to look, and then the gods you know this was the this was the deal he couldn't. He couldn't move through, move forward without mm-hmm. that fear. So I think there's a, uh, and this conversation has been super helpful, bro. And uh, and so like, it doesn't surprise me that you've coached fifteen hundred <laughs> people to be coaches, you know, because like, yeah. you know, you're helping me here, and this is uh that's just a deep bow to you, Thanks, you know, and uh, and just deep gratitude for, for sharing this, allowing me to like go into my own my own bag of shit.
1: Yeah, it's I mean we, we all have shit. Like I still have a whole lot of shit, you know? Yeah. And, and some triggers that have came up for me in the past few days, and we were talking about in the hall, it's just like, yeah, there's some really hard stuff going on right now for, for you, for me, and for, for most people, a lot of hard stuff's going on as well. But I think that, that what I, I want people to get from that is like, we have this story that's in our head. You know, both of us have this story of being abandoned some sort of way by a father. And all too often we'll miss the thing that's right in front of us, which is like, who the fuck did Aaron call right after it? Yeah. Like who? Yeah. It it was you, right? And it's like, we don't look at those things. And we, we have this, you know, uh, I did an event a few, a few weeks ago and I, I had, everybody had these, like we ordered a bunch of different, like crazy different colored glasses. And I said, look at that wall. Everybody was looking, it's all white. And I said, put the glasses on and tell me what color it is. And one person's like, it's pink, it's red, it's blue. And because they all have the different colored glasses. And I was like, that's the problem with, with our story that we tell ourselves is that we see the world through this lens. I see the world through this lens of like, same thing. I'm going to be abandoned by some guy, by some, my friends aren't texting me back because there must be something wrong with me because I'm fucked up because I'm not, you know, I'm not big enough for them to bring me onto their podcast or to mm. care, to give a shit about me. And it's like, but all too often it's like, who did he call? He fucking called you because he felt out of everyone in the world, the person that he would trust the most was you and it's all too often we miss those types of things and we don't look at them because they just don't line up with our, our view of the world. Correct. And um, you know, when you look at like, uh, one of the biggest things that, that was really eye opening me for writing this book is I was listening to, I was in Sedona, which I know you love. It's one of my favorite places in the entire world. And I was, I, when I was rewriting the book and doing a brand new version of it, I was like, I need a week in Sedona by myself. Like I need, mm-hmm. and it's going to be no connection to anybody except for those fucking beautiful mountains that I know there's some energy coming from. And um, I was listening to Sadhguru because I was like, I wonder if he's ever talked about fear because I'm writing this chapter about fear. And the thing that I, I, I won't I'll remember for the day, so the day that dies, we find our fears. And then we say, how do we, once we identify it, the natural next thing is how do I overcome it? And it was really interesting because Sadhguru says, you don't. And the reason why I don't is because you can't overcome something that doesn't exist. Like mm. You can't overcome something that's not actually truly there. And so we put these, these. we see the world through this lens and think that that's how it actually is, but we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And it was this huge eye-opening moment of like, yeah, if we look at fears, there's the way I break it down is like there's primal fears, which is like death or pain is attached to it. but. There's also intellectual fears and intellectual fears are like the fear of abandonment, the fear of not being accepted, the fear of um, success, the fear of failure, all of those. Those are all intellectual fears, and none of them actually exist in reality. Like failure doesn't exist in reality. It's basically whatever we decide that that thing actually sure. is. And so it's like, we just, I think we can all take a step back and be like, am I actually seeing this as it is or am I just being triggered by this based off of my story of my dad or my mom yeah. or whatever it might it's be?
0: It's like a, it's like a, a clouded part of the prism. One way to look at our perspective, it's the kind of a fancy terminology, but it's the hermeneutic prism and Hermes being the messenger of communication. Mm -hmm. We're all looking through a hermeneutic prism and there's certain places that are occluded, certain places that are cloudy and distorted Mm -hmm. and like looking through a funhouse mirror and you're looking through a funhouse mirror and looking at the world and Mm -hmm. all of these things are appearing not as they are in reality. And uh, and this is and that's your hisaran. That's the that's the thing that um, you know. And, and I think there's a way to purify and clarify and clear the mirror. Mm. And so in so many other categories, I've been successful. And and this is this is the one. Yeah. That's like you know that's still there, but but uh, it feels a little lighter, a little clearer today. So yeah. Thanks, bro. I'm yeah. leveling up for sure. I'm fucking <laughs> leveling up, right? Yeah. Right in real time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, well, you used a word that's really important. And uh, and this is what Krishnamurti says. I feel like I'm talking about him a lot today, but it it works perfectly. And the thing I loved about Krishnamurti is he didn't want to be like a guru or act like a guru. He was just a guy who spoke really directly. And he says, all of it is distortions to reality. And we're constantly distorting reality all of the time. You know, and so it's like, we can look at this. And what happens a lot of times with these distortions is when the proof comes back to us of you are enough, we don't, we don't, we distort reality and say, oh, well, you know, maybe like you could say, oh, maybe Aaron called me because I was the only one who had a car there. Like we could do that shit all of the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe he called me because, you know, I was the last person he had called and it was just simple or easy to do. Or cause I'm the strongest guy that could take him out in case he fell and I could I could make sure I hold him. Like we can we can distort that reality all of the time versus being like, this person actually fucking loves me and trusts me. And one of the things you said is uh, a few minutes ago is like, about minutes ago is like, it's all, it's, it's just different flavor. And that's the way I, like I've, I've worked with so many people and I've, I've never found somebody to this day that I've ever spoken with that doesn't have the feeling of I'm not enough built into them in some sort of way. And I always say it's like, it's like ice cream, but it's all different flavors, Mm -hmm. you know? So like the ice cream, like mine might be rocky road, yours might be vanilla, you know, his might be chocolate. And it's just, we all have, it's all pistachio, guy pistachio over, there. over there, right? And so it's like, we, we, but it's all comes back to the same feeling of I'm not enough. And it's like, so many people are like, I don't, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough, smart enough. I'll never be a good parent. I'll, I'll fail my entire life. I'm not worthy of love. We have all of those. And all of those are just a different flavor of I'm not enough. And the greatest fear that we have is that if I'm not enough, I won't be loved. And I think that we can look at the world. I I'm a I see the the same world the same way that you do where it's like there's so many fucked up things that are out there and I really want to change it. That's that's what I'm trying to do with like every ounce of my my energy. But the world, when I look at it, and I can look at it and say, man, I hate this. It's just a reflection to me of human consciousness. Of it's just human consciousness in the physical form of like people that are screwing each other over. It's just human consciousness and the lack of love is the problem with everything. And -hmm. the lack of self-awareness is the, is the, is the problem with everything. I think if a lot of people just take a step back and be like, well, what are my distortions? How am I distorting reality to, uh, to, to see it the way that I've always seen it, you know? And we have the story that's going in our head all of the time. And at some point in time we have to be like, is this the fucking story that I want to live my entire life with? Or do I want to try to actually change the story and, and try to prove that story false? Cause I'm sure there's, you know, many situations in your life where a guy called you up and needed you, or he was there for you when he needed you. But we have these really strong connections to our story and we want our story to be as true as possible. And at some point we have to just be like, is this a story that I want to keep forever? Or do I just want to try to change the story in some sort of way?
0: Let's go cool. yeah. leveling up, bro. Yeah. Good to talk to you, man. It's yeah, good to you see you. Thank you for being and here, man. And sorry if I've ever been one of those guys that didn't text you back. <laughs> By the way, I'm real shit at it. I'm real shit at it. I'm not, as you're saying that, I'm like, fuck. I probably fucked a lot of people <laughs> up in their own stories. Dude,
1: d- you're just the universe coming through <laughs> to show me where I'm not free. That's all that it is. Like That's Peter like, Cross says. Yeah. I, don't, I don't believe anything else except for the fact that, you know, where we're triggered is where we're not free. And so I believe that in in the, in the way that Hindus say it is that, you know, uh, is that God is under and within all things. And it mm-hmm. is. And so when I see the place where I'm triggered, where if I'm like, fuck, Aubrey didn't text me back, or this person didn't text me back, or whatever it might be, or they said they were going to be here and they canceled their appointment on me, whatever it is, I can look at it and I can look at it through that viewpoint or I can take a step back and be like, fuck. God, thank Got you. Me. Thank you so much for coming back in mm-hmm. to show me that this is just another thing that I'm working on.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, and that's just a beautiful thing. So I will uh I will not take any offense when you don't text me back. <laughs> you always have texting back, so it's not yeah, a big yeah. deal, but it's 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 my shit that I'm working through. And I have come to terms that I I am on this path with God that's trying to help me become better in some sort of Amen. way. And and that's all I'm really trying to do.
0: Holy and broken, hallelujah. Yeah. Let's go. Everybody, level up, available, all places that books are sold. And uh, if you really want to help Rob out, I'm an author, um, go buy it in a fucking bookstore. Yeah. That really helps. Actually, uh, it's annoying because we don't go to bookstores, but uh, it does help yeah get you on lists and things like that so hey
1: it helps it helps us make helps make us feel better about getting a little badge of saying you're New York yeah. Times bestseller right yeah. which is I'm working for it I'm trying which, to get it but which does
0: help you share more books so it's not purely sure. ego but, yeah. so it is an actual legitimate help absolutely um, but uh, yeah it is just way easier on Amazon than yeah. to Amazon that shit you
1: get it yeah you don't have to go anywhere it just <laughs> yeah, for up. Sure. yeah
0: man. all right I love you bro
1: I love you too man this, yeah. is, this has been good been and, a great conversation and, uh, and I hope it helps a lot of people
0: no doubt bro no doubt Much love, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into this podcast with Rob Dial. Make sure you check out his book, Everywhere Books Are Sold, called Level Up. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week.